Well, hi, everybody. This is Bucky Pig. This is Nerd On Folks. Nerd On. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Nerd On, the podcast you didn't need, but you deserve, and where all levels of nerd are welcome. Uh, we have a very special episode today, but first, we are going to introduce the host. I am Josh. I am Tom. I am Ali. I'm Caitlin. And I am Corey. <laughs> and this episode <laughs> is brought to you in part by the members of the Nerd On Nation that is powered by Patreon. Patreon. As a member of the Nerd On Nation, you do get fun perks like you get uh, early access to these episodes. You get bonus episodes that nobody else hears, uh, multiple of them, actually. Uh, you get discounts on merch. You get early access to merch. And you get access to secret channels on our Discord server. It's, a, it's an amazing community to join, and it's always growing, and it's gotten to the point where it's hard to keep up with all the conversations because there's so many going on at the same time. It's pretty fun. But I dare you to. But I dare Gee. you to. Uh, Double but, dog. Uh, yeah, check that out. Uh, the link to join the NerdOn Nation is nerdon.tv backslash Patreon. And the link to the Discord is nerdon.tv backslash Discord. Um, and a huge shout pretty straightforward. out. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, pretty straightforward. Um, a big shout out to our partners in crime, Apogee. Uh, they, these microphones, the hype mic, uh, it's a wonderful microphone. Um, I really can't speak, um, more about it. It's such a, I like it. I'm just going to say it that way. I really like it. I'm going to do one better. I love it. I want some more of it. We've gotten to keep (laughs) recording through all of this madness. Like super shout out to Apogee for keeping this podcast rolling because it probably might not have happened without you guys. So thank you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, using cans and string. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and a big shout out to Odyssey Headphones, who have officially uh, recognized our statement that if your ears were mouths, they taste like butter. They're that That's good. So um, I don't apologize for coming up for that. Um, but I do. But I, I apologize for Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Nor do I regret it then. In that case. That's, that's, that's more like it. Tom, I so uh, I like it. I, I, um, I apologize for everybody, but then they don't have to regret it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like I said, a very important show today. Uh, our show is primarily five people, and we gather around to talk about the things that bring us together. And today is a very special day because we grace our feed with another legend. And you know him uh, for voicing uh, Luke Skywalker, Bucky the Squirrel, and Emmy-nominated multiple times for Porky the Pig. Woo. The one and only Bob Bergen is with us today, and we later get to pick his brain and get his nerd on about Mrs. Doubtfire. Let's it's so good. Get it's going to be fun. on with it. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. We um, Sure. I have to say, um, this is a, an honor for me, um, and I know we, we've all talked kind of in our what we call our digital green screen of how much the Looney Tunes have meant to us uh, in our fandom, in our nerddom, and um, this is a complete honor to uh, have you on the show. 
Um, I think you're easily pleased, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, how has uh, how has this quarantine and everything been for you? How's how is life in uh, 2020 for Bob Bergen? Yeah. Well, um, it, that's a multifaceted question. Good. Um, it, it, I would. I would. I, I miss. I was on the phone uh, just before this with a buddy of mine who works on a soap opera, and he said, "You know, I miss a handshake. I miss hugging people. I just. I, I like. I went to the bank the other day to make a deposit because I still do it the old-fashioned way. Yeah. And and I, I'm, I, I and I have a mask on, and I'm saying to the teller, I swear to God, I'm smiling. <laughs> and, like you can't tell, uh, but I promise. Right, and I'm not going to rob you. Just because I'm wearing a mask, but it feels awkward. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I look, um, everybody's had to adapt. I can tell you for professionally how I've had to adapt. Um, I've had to, I mean, and I did this within 10 days of the quarantine. I had to completely upgrade my home studio. Whoa. Which, yep. which meant, I mean, I, I've always had a home studio for auditions, but I've never worked from home. So within 10 days, I spent a couple grand. And I upgraded my home studio. I've always had a broadcast quality booth, but I did not have broadcast quality hardware mm-hmm. or software. And I and I now do. And uh, voice actors are extremely fortunate because we're the only genre of acting that we're able to continue making a living at this. Uh, I got friends in New York on Broadway, and they can't even wait tables. So, yeah. you know, I I, I don't I don't um, uh, take it for granted. And um, it was. It was one of those things where it was this major disruption, but if you just kind of go with the flow, we were, we were able to keep working. So I, I consider myself fortunate. Yeah, it, very fortunate. I super kudos to you for having the wherewithal to make that pivot within the first ten days of everything mm-hmm. happening. Because uh, I'm I'm also a voice actor, and you know you you see within the the community of of the industry that you're in. Everyone was trying to figure out, like scrambling to figure out how to make it work. Some so the fact are. that you did it in 10 days is kind of like, oh, okay, nice. Well, That's amazing. I, it was kind of like, you know, do or die. I'm, right. I'm, I'm on a handful yeah, right, of right. series right now. I'm working on an animated feature right now, a whole bunch of games right now. And if I didn't want to be replaced or disrupt um, production, I had to I had to go with the flow. And yeah. You know, to me, it, it wasn't, I didn't even have to think twice. I just did it. What I had to think twice about was how do I do it? Because when yeah. it comes to technology, the fact that we're talking right now on Zoom, I'm thrilled with myself. <laughs> okay. uh, the fact that I was able to get the gallery view, I'm thrilled. I mean, I know technology, this is my knowledge of technology. The light switch, that's on, that's off, that's it. So <laughs> I, the moral of the story is, gang, if I can do this, anybody can yeah. Uh, I mean, very inspirational. I, I, I wouldn't uh, count yourself too short. I, you know, obviously we we talked about how we like to do a little bit of uh, homework when we have our guests on, um, and how you ended up getting Mel Blank's number and calling him uh, when you decided that you wanted to voice Porky Pig, and you know, going through the phone books and stuff like that. It, that's some ingenuity, I feel mm-hmm. like. You know, but, you know, and, and, and people ask me this all the time, you know, how did you get the nerve to do that? I didn't think it was nervy. I, I thought, look, if you want to be a doctor, call a doctor. Yeah. If you want to be an accountant, call an accountant. I wanted to be an animated pig, so I called the guy who was doing the animated <laughs> pig. And, 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 and I think sometimes, you know, when you're young, 
we just don't think that this is something that is um, unusual. Um, right. I think as we become adults, we put um, limitations on ourselves out of fear and um, not wanting to look stupid. My biggest fear was that I was either wasn't going to find his phone number or he was going to hang up on me. But the worst case scenario is that if I get him, he'll hang up on me. At least right. I try. Yeah. 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 We, always, uh, we always say here at Nerd On, it's one of our kind of core philosophies is that you can't get a yes unless you ask. So it's like mm-hmm. reaching out to somebody, really- or reaching out to some of the guests that we've had. You can't. Reaching you can't out to you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, even though we kind of yeah. were like two degrees, it's, one degree of separation, like reaching out to you, it's like, well, you can't get a yes unless is, I ask him. Yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is very much so kind of rewiring yourself to to make sure you have, uh, you're in touch with that part of yourself as a kid who really doesn't care about what people think and just kind of wants what they want and isn't afraid to go get it. And it, it's it's yeah. definitely, you know, pays off tenfold if you can if you can find a way to to hang on to it. And and it's it's really cool to see that like that kind of founding principle for you when you were 14 calling and the phone books and sending letters and asking all the kind of right questions has followed you up to now where you know you don't mind like doing whatever you think uh might be the necessary thing and finding solutions for whatever problem that's what led you to in 10 days I had solutions for things because I wasn't like questioning what the right thing to do was I was just like looking for the answers and I found them. Well, there's no possibility of success without risking failure. And, you know, I always tell my students that someday you're going to be on your deathbed and um, failure is a lot easier to accept at that point than, I don't know, um, regret. Mm-hmm. What do, yeah. I mean, God, I would rather so say much. I tried and failed than regret even trying. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's really sick, actually, that people, when as you continue getting older, a lot of people start looking at more of the reasons why or how many times they're going to fail instead of being open and positive and seeing the opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's it's really weird that, um, yeah, like people fear fear failure so much that where it's like if you're going to try everything and try as many options as you can, you open yourself up to so much more failure, which is just part of the process because you can't get better unless you fail because you learn so much more from that. I mean, I, I, it's like, not, not, it's not acting or voiceover. It's life. Yeah. Yeah. But, but everything translates too. Cause like, I'm sure the the first time you were like, I want to do the porky pig voice. I like, how long did it take you to figure out that pattern of, stutter how long did it take you to figure out like putting in that ad lib line at the end i like, figured that out before I, before I was able to really do the voice because i was working on that when i was a kid before my voice changed and i you know in your head you think you sound great yeah right of course <laughs> of course you're like oh this sounds perfect yeah i mean i i just came across um every cassette from every voiceover class i ever took from my first one when i was 14 wow that i'm gonna i'm gonna be digitizing and because you know cassettes they're magnetic. They die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm listening to myself. I'm going, well, I sucked. I was terrible. <laughs> I My voice hadn't changed. So, you know, I had a lot of, of luck during this entire journey. First of all, I made it to L.A. Second of all, I had the ability to do this stutter thing. But then I was also really well trained in acting and improv and voiceover. And then the timing was great. I happened to be a working actor at the time that Mel Blanc passed away and they were holding auditions. So, you know, I don't take that for granted either. Lot, you know, timing and luck is a, is a definite part of it. But 
the obsession of wanting to do this. I think everybody who's really successful in life, first of all, do what you love. Don't do what you love for a dime, but do what you love. If you do what you love, you'll be willing to do it for free. When you get paid for it, it's icing on the cake. But everybody doing what they love doesn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah it, it's, you know, and, uh, you know, again, like Tom said, kudos to you because, you know, opportunity and luck don't mean anything if you're not willing to act on it. So sure. yeah. uh, that's, that's the secret recipe. There. In, in a way, you kind of create your own luck because you, I think I remember in an interview, you said like, you know, the industry isn't ready for me and I'm not ready for the industry yet. And so like you have to just work really hard and, you know, the moment that, you know, um, I don't want to say when opportunity arose, but like, you know, yeah. when the, you got the audition for Looney Tunes. It was more like, you know, I've been working, you know, I, well, I, I didn't just sit waiting for the opportunity. Correct. And um, when I when I when I called and met Mel Blanc, I was 14. I was in junior high, you know, yeah. so. Yeah. I remember my mom was very patient. We're driving. I, I crashed a recording session to watch Mel Blanc work after I talked to him and we're driving away. And I said to my mom very innocently, I don't think that now is my time to pursue this. And my mom's like, I think you're right. You know, she's wow. very, very sweet about it. Um, but I'll tell you guys, you know, I've been doing Porky for over 30 years now. I've had to re-audition eight times. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So I don't character i don't own anything my name is not warner or am i their brother so um, <laughs> yeah i mean I, I, anytime there's a big project i have to audition and and just for a dose of reality just uh as a as a person who is like working through kind of finding my myself and my voice and where i exist in a vocal sense and all of that mm-hmm. for other people who are looking to get into voiceover looking to be these characters that kind of thing how much time from that crashing a recording session, finding Mel Blanc's number, did you spend on becoming an actor and figuring out what your instrument was? How long did it take you before you're like, okay, I know what I am now? Um, well, I always knew what I was. I just didn't know how to get there. Right. So, uh, or, or rather um, the how, how long it took to get there, kind of. Okay, so uh, I, I, I left that Mel Blanc recording session and... I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again because you don't know who's seen what. But when I called Mel Blanc, um, during the course of the conversation, he he mentioned the name of the studio he was working at that week. He didn't say the day or the time. He yeah. just said the name. Yeah. So when I finished with him, I called the studio pretending to be his assistant. And yeah. I said, hi, I'm calling to confirm Mr. Blank's appointment. And I just pulled this out of my ass. Uh, Thursday at 9. And they said, well, we've got him on the calendar for Wednesday at 11. I went, you're right. It's Wednesday at 11. I'm looking at the wrong day. I'm so sorry. So I said to my mom, I'm skipping school on Wednesday. <laughs> You're going to take me to watch Mel Blank work. And she said, cool. So when we got to the studio, I told the receptionist, hi, we're guests of Mel Blank. And he's, he told us we could watch. And she said, oh, he's, he's in that booth over there. And we went to that booth over there. And I said to his producer, hi, we're, we're good friends of the receptionist. And she said, we could watch. And the producer said, sure, have a seat. So I watched the guy work, which was, you know, I could have died happy that day because I'm watching mm-hmm. Mel Blank do Porky Big and Bugs Bunny. So then when I realized, you know, my voice hadn't changed and I'm 14 and I can't do this right now, I, I came home from that recording session and I called Hanna-Barbera and they referred me to a guy named Gauze Butler. So I started studying voiceover. From age 14 to 18, I studied voiceover with every teacher that Los Angeles had to offer. I spent two years at an acting conservatory and three years in improv. 
I got my first agent a week out of high school when I was 18. Wow. And for the next five years, I had uh, survival jobs five days a week, seven nights a week to pay the bills while Mm -hmm. I was trying to pursue voiceover with hit or miss auditioning. Mm -hmm. And so from first class to working actor was nine years. Wow. Yeah. And then Mel Blank, that was 87 when I quit the last day job. Mel Blank passed away in 89. Wow. And I got my first Looney Tunes job in 1990. But I will tell you guys that after about a dozen callbacks and no decision was made, I said to my agent at the time, if I don't book this, I I might think about quitting voiceover. Why? And I said, because this is all I ever wanted to do. This is why I got into it. And my agent at the time was a little nervous about that because I was on a handful of shows and she wanted a commission. So, right, of course. But, Your job you know, is her I, job. It was. I got lucky. And and I and by the way, nobody to this day from Warner Brothers has ever said, you're the voice of. I never call myself the voice of. Right. Uh, you guys do, but that, which is great. But no, I'm, I'm just one of the guys who has shared these characters. And I think they've hired me more than anybody, but I've, they, other people have done the character. Right. No, I, I, I really like that story just because it, it, it is a testament of what I think you call like of, you know, people who find a talent and that's something that they really like. They just have that laser focus. And it's like that is kind of like the um, the X factor of finding success between, you know, doing what you want to do and then finding, you know, being able to live off of it, um, which, you know, is is crazy because it's uh, I don't you know, how do you. At a young age, you know, like I want to do Porky Pig versus Bugs Bunny or Daffy or Taz or, you know, what what made you want to go for a Porky? Or just why didn't I just say I wanted to be an actor or I wanted to do voices for cartoons? Yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, I think I started out as a fan of the character mm. and I found the comedy um, endearing, you know, uh, I like I, like you said, I broke down the stutter, but I've got friends who are stand-up comics or who are uh, sitcom actors or dramatic actors or Broadway musical theater people. And most didn't say, I'm dying to do West Side Story or I want to be on Saturday Night Live. Uh, Sometimes they do, but I've had really, really good friends who just wanted, had this need to perform. Sure. uh, Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I, I, I... I didn't know there was a business called voiceover, let alone a way to become <laughs> a character. And, and by the way, you know, people assume that Looney Tunes is my, is my life and it's not, I, I use it to promote my career, but this week I had four sessions and only one was Looney Tunes. So, um, you know, um, I think people do need to be, uh, focused, extremely driven and focused with what they want. Uh, and even if what your what your goal is uh, to be in the voiceover industry, what does that mean to you commercially? What does that mean to you mm-hmm. from the from the world of, of animation and games? What does that mean? Where do you fit in? Because it's not about being able to do a bunch of different voices. It's mm-hmm. about creating original characters. And just like a commercial demo has to reflect today's commercial landscape, an animation demo has to reflect today's animation landscape. So how do you fit in to the noon to 3 p.m. time block on Cartoon Network versus Nickelodeon? How are you uh, uh, PBS Kids versus Sprout? How are your more adult contemporary character choices for a show like Archer on FX different from Bob's Burgers on Fox? Yeah, you got another market. 
Well, most people don't think about this stuff. Yeah. And, and they should. Yeah. Uh, I, I would like to, you, you brought up different aspects of your career and I'd like to branch off here and speak about one of my personal favorites, a uh, favorite character of mine. You were uh, no face in the- uh, Oh yeah, he's uh, right there. Spirited Away. Oh yep. my gosh. <laughs> uh, it's a very unique character and I'm assuming a very unique character to play because you're just kind of portraying emotion through, through not much more than a few grunts here and there. Not much. Well, he didn't really start talking until he ate a frog and started vomiting the world. So yeah. That's when that's when he got more dialogue. As but you do. For the most part, he just kind of wandered around going ah, ah, yeah, ah. <laughs> but he still had to have emotion. Could you uh, could you speak about what it, what it was like working on that that film or or any sort of uh, any Inside highlights baseball? for you for playing that character? Sure. Um, well, uh, first of all, it, the the voice dubbing was done by the good folks at Pixar, mm -hmm. and because I had done a lot of work for Pixar, they just called Mickey McGowan was the casting director and she just called me into work and a casting director will basically look at the project and look at the cast that they're bringing in and say, I think you'd be right for this. I think you'd be right for that. So Mickey thought that I would be right for this little frog that pops up at the beginning of the film. And throughout the course of the day, mm -hmm. they realized, well, this ghostly character, no face eats the frog and takes on a whole different weird personality. So that's when they said, why don't you, Come up and try some things for no face so that's how that whole thing came together wow it, it was literally a day in my life um i never you, when you work on a film if it's if it's dubbed you only get to work on or see the parts of the film that you're in so yeah. so i mean they kind of explained that a little girl and her parents get stranded they turn into pigs and she goes to work at um bathhouse. a bathhouse for her spirits and i was like Okay. <laughs> and and so I only I only got to actually see when I was working on it those parts that I was in. Sure. Um, I will tell you that um one of my all-time favorite moments as an actor was the scene where No Face had eaten a ton of crap and got huge and he got yeah. frog-like arms. Yeah. And then he vomited everything. And so I don't know if you guys have ever done anime, but to I watch do a anime, lot. Okay, well, to do anime well as an actor, you've got to be this much psychic because there's going to be an extra mouth flap that they didn't Every time. anticipate. Exactly, right? Yep. So if you're this much psychic, you're going, and this is where improv skills come in handy, there was this moment of quiet after No Face vomited. So I just ad-libbed, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I didn't know if they were going to keep it in the film, but they ended up keeping it in the yeah, film. Yeah, I was like, yeah. that's, that's one of my favorite parts. I didn't know that was yeah, uh, something you came up with. That's fantastic. I, and what, so you're, you're very good at, because uh, also the the squirrel and Emperor's New Groove, you you played that as well. Lucky. And, and you did a very good job of, I remember hearing in an interview, you're like, I'm going to go outside and think about this for a second. And then you met a squirrel that gave you the inspiration. So what, yeah, what for you has been the most like light bulb moment character that what well, is it no face is it bucky like or or do you have another character that you like i'm you're like really excited about what you came up with for um creating that character oh my that's a great question um wow you know every character is exciting when you're doing them mm -hmm. yeah so i mean those were those were jobs from years ago so and i'm doing stuff right now 
that unfortunately are on, under NDAs and I can't mm. talk about them. I know. Next time. I next know. time. Next come back. I know, right? <laughs> um, but I'm doing one right now that is a character I have played in the past that they've brought back and they're telling stories that have never been told before. So that is exciting as an actor because um, I have to create uh, intent and relationships that are new to this character. I'm doing another show that's original and brand new. And, you know, when you do a character, if you're, if you're a series regular, um, episode 10 is different from episode one because you're feeding the writers and the writers are feeding you. Uh, sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll shift gears in the story because you'll give a delivery of a line with a character where they're like, well, that's a, that's a layer of their relationship we never thought of. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, an actor's job is to interpret the script and a, and a good writer hires an actor who takes those words and makes them or takes them in a way that the writer didn't even know they could go. And then all of a sudden you're on season five and it's a whole different ball game because of this collaborative thing called production. So long-winded answer to your question, <laughs> uh, I do it every, every time I work or even audition, I've got those creative aha moments. In fact, when I get a job, I got to go back into my files because once I've auditioned, I, I let it go. Yep, it's gone. Yeah. Otherwise, you, you have go, to. Yeah, yeah, you'll go nuts if you think about yeah. all the auditions you've done in the past. The all-star mm-hmm. watching. I was going to mention you, uh, you, speaking of lots of auditions, some of your video game work, you've been Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. uh, more times than, than I... Uh, thought could be possible that, that I remembered being <laughs> Star Wars video games. I'll put it that way. Um, what's that like? Do you, I'm, I'm assume you're going to have to audition every time you go in. It's probably a different crew working on each title. What's that like? Not How's necessarily. That Not no? necessarily. Um, uh, I, 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 yeah, I think I've had to re-audition for Luke a couple of times, but for the most part, if they want, like I just did Robot Chicken again, they just call me. Um, <laughs> so they and know for that good. one, for that one, I got to do most recent Luke, which is older Luke, oh. which I, which I oh. never done. Gray, I angry Luke. Well, gray, gray, angry Luke. Gray. Wet yeah. Luke. Yeah. Um, so when I, I mean, I think it was over 20 years ago, uh, the first audition for, it was at the time Lucas hearts mm-hmm. and I turned it down mm-hmm. because I told my agent, I can't do Mark Campbell. I can't even come close to Mark Campbell. And my agent said, do you want me to, do you want me to just turn it down for you? I said, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to audition for this. And the producers called her back and said that they really want to see me. And I said, okay, but I don't do Mark Hamill. So I walked into the audition and I said, I don't do Mark Hamill. And Dara O'Farrell was the uh, producer um, and voice director. And he said, don't do Mark Hamill, do Luke Skywalker. And I was like, oh, oh, (laughs) now I was, of course I had seen, at that at that time, all the Star Wars films, but I I wasn't a student of the franchise, so I I could not pull that character out of my ass. So he had to give me a little education and play me some clips and say, "This is pre Jedi, this is post Jedi Luke. They're a little bit different, and this one's kind of a whiny little I teenager." Of course, <laughs> yeah. So, but I will tell you guys, and I've told this story too because uh, I think it's a lesson for everybody uh, who wants to get into this business. Before I took the first game. I made sure that my agent called Mark's agent to make sure that he didn't want the job because yeah. I would not, oh, I don't take a job fantastic. from somebody else. Mm. I didn't know if he was in a, a, a contract negotiation and asked for more money for Christ's sake. He's with Skywalker. He should. I was going to say he, he, he does video game uh, voice acting. Uh, usually of course, yeah, this was, this uh, was a while ago and this is before he got back or 
re-involved with the franchise. Right. But no, my agent found out that he actually was, was, was uh, I believe, um, uh, uh, pursued for this, mm-hmm. but didn't want to do it. Oh, that's so that's classy. why I did it. Very classy. Very, uh, but, that's very weird all of you to do. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, it's funny when you say that, when you just said like different types of Luke Skywalker, and the only one that sticks in my mind so much in Robot Chicken is it's like, it's the whiny Luke Skywalker. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, the one oh, they've done man. the most often. And and uh, I, I give Seth Green a lot of credit. He's a wonderful director, and he is such a Star Wars nerd. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. any question I had on how to pronounce this planet or what's going on here, <laughs> he had it all down. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, you've said in interviews that you would love to have, cause you've played so many different characters, but you've said that you want your own thing. Like it's almost like your SpongeBob. Um, and you, you've also said that you audition for those all the time. If you could write that character, if you could create that character, that was yours. It was like, um, this is Bob Bergen plays this. Like, what would it be? Not a clue. Not a clue. <laughs> I knew that was going to be your answer. Because I'm not a writer. I'm not a producer. I'm not a creator. My job is to take their work and make it mine. So, yeah, I'm on a handful of shows right now that are in season one or two or possibly even three. Um, Who knows where they're going to go? But um, I have never had a Homer Simpson or a SpongeBob that has lasted. that was original to me for 20, 30 years. Um, and I don't count Porky Pig as that because I didn't create the character, nor do I come close to the dude that did, you know, I'm just basically trying my best to keep the integrity of the character. Um, so yeah, it would be really, really cool to, I will, I'll be 70 or 80 years old, more like 80 and 90, but, um, yeah, but, but I'm fortunate. I work every day. I audition every day. I can't complain. You know, I don't have any regrets because that hasn't happened. I'm working on a variety of things, but I just have never had that one franchise that has gone on forever. That's so um, cool. I do. I have a, a little inside story only because we talked about uh, Bill Holmes before we started recording and yeah. in interview, you, uh, it was the question was asked of what was the most like inappropriate time of you using the porky pig voice. And you mentioned how Bill Holmes called you. Uh, I think it was at a at funeral, funeral at a funeral. <gasps> Yep. Uh, has he there been it. a moment that has topped that since then? Not as far as inappropriate, <laughs> uh, but I mean, I mean, I don't blame Billy for this because, um, you know, he'll, he'll be with, uh, buddies from Chicago or buddies from college and my phone will ring. Hey buddy, is the pig there? <laughs> and I'm like, I, it's my fault. I didn't turn my phone off at my cousin's funeral. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And my phone rings and my mom, my mom is doing this to me. And I'm look, I'm an actor. I'm a whore. It could have been an audition. <laughs> I'm not going to ignore it. Okay. Yep. Jean would, Jean would have understood. Okay. I liked it. So, so I, I looked and it was Bill Holmes. And then I was like, well, shit, I, 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 could, I wasn't thinking Porky Pig. I was thinking of something wrong. So I was like, hey, buddy, is the pig there? And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm at a funeral right now. Buddy, I got I got my friends. They're leaving town. I just really quick. Yeah, but yeah, this is Sparky. <laughs> my like, the rabbi's looking at me, and I'm like, "It's what we do." You know? I can't uh, stop. I would if I could, but uh. and now you have that story. <laughs> yeah. I do. And the other one, which wasn't inappropriate, but if you guys heard the 9/11 story, no, no. please, no. So it was. 
it was about a about maybe a week or so after 9-11. Oh, no. And I'm out late at night with some friends, and we decide to go to Krispy Kreme. Uh-huh. As you do. And I'm and I'm I'm at the you know the 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 drive-through, and this lady this lady says, "Can I take your order?" And I said, "Ooh, give us a minute. We haven't figured it out yet." And this male voice comes on and says, "Let me know when you're ready." And I said, "Ooh, you changed your voice." And then she came back and she said, "Yes, I did. Now you change yours." (gasps) And I looked at my friends and I ordered a dozen glazed donuts like Porky Pig. Whoa! And there's a long pause, and she says, "Please." pull up to the second window and I pull up to the second window and she hands me three dozen donuts. And I said, I think you misunderstood me. And she said, heard every word you said. It is our first laugh since nine 11. Uh, Take these. They're on the house. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so I turned to my friends and I said, let's go to a Porsche dealer next. <laughs> <laughs> it's a voice battle turned into wow. like a, a heartwarming story. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Voice is it for good or evil. <laughs> and, 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 and by the way, I, I dropped the box off at my parents' house. And I gave them the box, yep. and it was it was calories uh, welly. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that I mean, no well regrets learned. though. Of no course. regrets. Oh, right. Pro tip. So you're. Wow. I'm I'm always curious about this because like like I grew up on Looney Tunes, and Mel Blanc is a legend to me. And you also have Casey Kasem in your career, and you have a lot of iconic characters that you have played. Do you have a favorite, like the absolute favorite moment of your career? Thus far. Thus far. This might be it. We might be the best I, moment. I do. I do. But it's it's unrelated to anything you just said. Oh, that's fine. Um, that's fine. Those are more better. like reference points. And nothing came from it. Um, so I was at the Annie Awards several years ago, nice. and I was... I was presenting, uh, Patrick Warburton was hosting. Nice. And we did a bit where I came out and I, he did Kronk and I did Bucky. Hmm. Now, side sidebar, we're backstage. I'm introducing myself to him. We did a feature, a straight-to-video sequel, and three years on a series and had never met. Because I did all oh. my stuff. I did all my stuff separately. Hang on one second, guys. I had to tell Alexa something. It was very important. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. That happened no, I'm talking to you. Okay. Um, <laughs> so he says to me, I, th- I thought Bucky was a sound effect. I said, yeah. dude, first of all, sound effects can't act. Okay. That's number one. <laughs> Facts. So, Facts. Excuse me. I'm in the, right? I'm, and I'm in the Fakata credits. <laughs> read. It's alphabetical. It's Bergen. All right. So we're on stage with uh, Tony Bancroft, who animated Bucky. In the oh, wow. new group, and I brought my agent to the to the ceremony, and Tony is talking to my agent uh, afterwards, and he's doing a project uh, with um, Paul McCartney, and there's a character kind of like Bucky, and they he wants to know if I'd be interested in doing it, wow. and my, my agent asked me, I said, sure, Bucky <laughs> to do, it. and. So when she booked me, she said, now, McCartney's going to be there. I said, no way. McCartney's going to be there. And I never get nervous. And I'm driving there. And um, I'm, it, it was not too far from my house. And I'm like, be cool. It's going to be Paul McCartney. <laughs> Paul McCartney. And, he, and I went to meet him, and he was just lovely. 
And he was just charming. And I don't know if the film ever came out and I never did anything else. It was just a sizzle reel that they were putting together to try to pitch it and sell it. But wow. that was probably one of the coolest. That and 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 uh, teaching the audience at the Hollywood Bowl over two nights how to do Porky Pig. That's, <laughs> That's cool. cool. That really cool. What's That's funny is cool. with the, the Annie Awards, my neighbor, um, he runs the Annie Awards. I found out recently. Like he is the executive director of the Annie Awards. I'm like, Okay. I didn't even know they existed until he told me. <laughs> They're pretty big. Yeah. I mean, you know, they started out, I think they were June Foray's brainchild. They started out because there wow. were no Oscars or Emmys for voice actors and for animation. Wow. Yeah. The art. So she started it herself and it's become, you know, as prestigious. Uh, it's, it is to animation what an Oscar is to film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, how Josh was saying how, like, you know, he grew up on Lington's. I, you know, I'm a little bit younger, um, but, you know, watching Duck Dodgers and then you being the young, eager cadet, I was just like, yeah. like, it's interesting to think, like, how much Looney Tunes and, uh, you know, by the time you were working on Porky Pig, like, I had been born. So... You are the only Porky Pig in my I'm life. I'm old. trying to say. <laughs> no, no, wow. I'm just saying. Wow. You know, he's he's saying you're a seasoned professional. <laughs> well, which I, he I, I'm only conditioned to hear yours, and so it's interesting because I've heard, I've read, I mean, I've watched a lot of interviews and how you break down the stutter and how you break down the voice. And I remember as a kid having that same thing. I was like, why does he talk this way? And then I was like, why does he try to say something and then ends up saying something else? And then how you just said, like, in, you know, like, industry terms, like, oh, it's an ad lib. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, now as an adult, I'm like, <laughs> You're just oh, like, oh. oh, I was a dumb right. kid oh. and I didn't understand this. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, sometimes it's an ad lib. A lot of times it's a good writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey. And, yes. I, and I, will tell you, I will tell you guys that every time I work on a brand new project with a brand new producer or writer, they will type in my stutter. Wow. I was just about to ask. I was like, is it written in or is it just like stutter on this word? The first job of every new project, they will type it in and I will have to have a sit down and I want to do it as respectfully as possible because they think they're helping me. And I'm like, guys, I can't find the actual lines if you type in every word, the stutters. So Matt Craig, who was the writer, producer, director of New Looney Tunes, not to be confused with Looney Tunes cartoons or the Looney Tunes show. Right. Uh, it does get confusing. <laughs> it's very. He, he came up with a formula that I take with me to every job where if if there's a word and then there's a, a, a written joke or gag, he just types an ellipses. And that ellipses means Bob stutter at this point. So if the line is, has anybody seen my dog? It would say, has anybody seen my dog? Dot, 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 dot. And he either may write in the gag or just have it blank for me to fill in. Oh, wow. So I would, I would see the ellipses and I would say, has anybody seen my canine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love those. And I will stutter as long as it takes me to think of something funny to say. There is no formula or length to that. Yeah. But I've taken Matt Craig's ellipses idea with me. That's Brilliant. awesome. That's fantastic. That's great. That's just, it's one of those things that you just like, you sit there and you're like, that's really smart. Mm. (laughs) It's live live and learn. You know what? It's live and learn. And you don't want to, you don't want, you don't want to offend the creatives that you're working with by saying, I can't read your script. Right. Um, So, you know, I I do it. I will, I will finish the first episode if it's a series. And then I will gently say, hey, I have an idea. Mm -hmm. Maybe it won't work for you, but if it it does, cool. 
helps yeah. me out. Yeah. You know, you know, one of our own, actually not one of our own, multiple of our own have taken acting classes and courses and performed on stage. Um, mm-hmm. Some recently um, have revealed that they do a Marvin the Martian voice as well. Oh my God. Everybody does <laughs> Martian voice. Yeah. But Josh here uh, oh, has gosh. been opening, been open and willing to go open for some critique if you're willing right. to give some. Ooh, oh my God. Right, game. He's like, Love oh, it. spotlight. Ah. Oh, I'm doing Tight. it. Okay. <laughs> yep. You got this. Remember, don't be nervous. Just if you fail, you Just fail. do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, where's the kaboom? There's supposed to be an earth shattering kaboom. I don't know. Okay, that was actually that Josh, that was very good. Terrible. Now, now here's the test. Ready? Behind you, are there any books? Yes. Grab one. Oh dang. Oh, oh dang. I, I, I saw this. I saw oh, this on Vanity Fair, book. I think. <laughs> sure. Oh, I know what this and is. That book will do. I love Start it. Start to flip the book until I say stop. Oh dang. Yee. Stop. Stop. Read the top page as Marvin. <gasps> Cutting it a little close, aren't we? Not really. I've been watching you for the last ten minutes. But what are you talking about? You just stood there while they beat me. Why? Okay, good, good, good. Now, now, now. Okay, I'm going to start with not bad, but I'm going to tell you that Josh started coming out Mm -hmm. because you're married to the catchphrase that you've memorized. Yeah. So when it comes to portraying a character that's already existed... Everybody can do the catchphrases. It's yeah. the new dialogue that's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll tell you guys, and I've told this story before. So if I, by the way, my hair, I look like Cruella DeVille today. I love your hair. <laughs> I actually uh, you have going meant on to say it earlier, it's but I love your hair. I, I, did, I did not know that it was curly. I love until it. Until we had a pandemic and I wasn't getting a haircut. Oh. And right, and it's gotten very gray in our pandemic. So God. I anyway, love the so stuff. When, when, when we auditioned for Space Jam, one of our last callbacks, they had us do um, Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Oh, because they figured if you, if you can do if you can if you Beautiful. can do Hamlet as a Looney Tune and stay in character but still portray Hamlet, you know that character. So I'm in the lobby of LA Studios, which is a studio in Los Angeles <laughs> where they have a lot of money. <laughs> and I'm seeing all the guys doing the callbacks, and they get this, and I can see the panic in their eyes, mm-hmm. and I'm like. Oh, I, I fucking have this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, 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 got, I got this one down. That's awesome. I could, I mean, <laughs> it's true though. Like you, Hamlet is like killing me right now. Pretty great. Yeah. It's, it's, that's so accurate though for like doing a character. You can't just like be the front part of a character. You have to have all the depth and the layers mm-hmm. as well of like the understanding of nuance. It's like acting. That's, that's it's what, a living, it's yes. a living creature. It's a living person, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and the characters today, even the Looney Tunes cartoons is the closest thing I've ever done with this franchise that feels like a classic Looney Tunes short. Uh, but Looney Tunes cartoons or new Looney Tunes, these characters are being put in situations that Mel Blanc never vocalized. Mm-hmm. He never used a computer. He never used a cell phone. He was never an Uber driver. He never used the internet. So you still have to use these, you have to keep the integrity of the characters by keeping them or putting them in contemporary situations. It's not easy. Yeah. Not at all. I guess that's I where imagine. the balance between like creating new characters or portraying ones that already exist, the challenges with each. Uh, and that one is just happening to be, let me expand this character beyond where it's ever been before, even though it's not, I didn't come up with the original piece. And of it. by the way, think about it. Mel Blanc did that with every short. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and, and now we're going to get really deep if you're a fan of animation, but. 
Daffy Duck had two different personalities. Yeah. He was zany woohoo Daffy and he was greedy Daffy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That yeah. So that... so how did that happen? Who made that decision and how did Mel Blanc deal with that? Yeah, I, I recently started rewatching, so I watched um the Looney Tunes cartoons, which is the one that's on HBO Max. And uh, I love it. And, and also, which is the wacky zany Daffy. Yeah, and uh, watching like I've also watched a bunch of Looney Tunes as well. Um, and yeah, like characters have different motifs and char- like sometimes Bugs is like completely like the asshole, and then sometimes he is the one that's being like attacked, and so it, like you you root for him, but sometimes he's the aggressor. Same thing with Daffy. Mm-hmm. It's like it's really really weird. That's like. What, uh, like I don't know who I'm supposed to root for yeah. as an adult. Well, as a as a kid, you're like, oh, this is fun. But then as an adult, you're like, who who's exactly. this for? There's also that that classic story about him having to do Daffy doing bugs and bugs doing Daffy, and just like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. have to go into those kind of things. It's yeah, that's that's just that's just genius acting. Yeah, but yeah. Um, very, very yeah. much so. Um, so I mean, before we move into uh, the subject at hand. Um, yes. I have one last question. Um, sure. I watched a, a recent interview in which you um, spoke about the importance of gratitude. Um, I'd love to know what you're grat- uh, grateful for um, these days. Uh, first of all, I'm alive. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm healthy and I'm alive and you can't beat Dang. that. Pretty good uh, one. I'm, I'm able to keep uh, working. Uh, I'm... I'm uh, I'm grateful for time. And that's going to sound weird because so many people right now are so angry and frustrated with the time they've got. But I have a luxury of time that I never have because I would go from this audition to this job to this class, et cetera. And I'm on the freeway and I'm, I don't, I, I don't have to drive between auditions and jobs. Mm-hmm. So man, I am, I'm grateful that this one day will end. And we have, and we have taken this disruption in the industry, and we have turned it upside down to make it a positive, mm-hmm. to where yeah. we can not only keep working, but the quality can be good, and perhaps it will open the door to other people where they never saw the opportunity before. But you know, if you complain, if you if you make your life nothing but a bitch fest, you know what? You're, all you're going to do is complain. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be happy. Happiness is a choice. You choose to wake up every day and go, "I'm fortunate that I have." this problem to deal with today because some people have it a lot worse than I do. Yeah. It's easy to lose Love perspective that. for sure. Yeah. If Love you that. really want it, you'll find a way. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hey. And you know what? I don't like excuses. Uh, I'm not I'm not a fan of victims. I'm sorry. Get over it. They don't pay bills. Just, just, well, it isn't even... It don't, it, they, they, don't, they don't create happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think you're owed something, no. You know what? Accountability and responsibility. You're responsible for your own happiness. If you're having a shitty day, put a fake smile on your face and don't let anybody know it. And eventually, sometime during that day, you're going to realize, oh, my God, I didn't fake it for that split second. We can do that. Or we can just say, I'm a victim. I'm owed this. I'm owed that. And my life sucks. How would you like to live the rest of your life waking up every day saying my life sucks? Yeah. yeah. What's the point? Yeah. That yeah. awesome. doesn't sound great. <laughs> and I think that does turn it into a little bit of the positive of, you know, our next topic at hand, which has like a little bit of that. Like, how do you want to live your life? Um, you know, more at the end of the day. So we're talking, uh, you know, Josh does all the heavy lifting and asking our guests um, what's their favorite thing they want to get their nerd on about. And you suggested Miss Stoutfire. Oh, I did. Christopher Columbus so happy film about that. starring Robin Williams. Uh, 
Sally Fields, Pierce Brosnan. Why, why did you pick this film, Bob? Um, because I asked, give me an idea of what you want to talk about. <laughs> and a favorite film came up and I went, oh, it's Mrs. Doubtfire for, for me. Um, <laughs> there are certain movies that, you know, you're channel surfing and no matter where you land, you'll finish it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, any Mel Brooks movie I'll do that with if it's the holidays it's a wonderful life I'll do that with if I see the Wizard of Oz on Turner Classics I'll do that with Mrs. Doubtfire I'll do that with um, first of all I just think it's a charming movie let's start with that um, I saw that film with a whole bunch of friends in the theater when it first came out wow. and it opens with Robin Williams as the voice of cartoons Yeah. and during that opening scene all my friends are looking at me like, is this how it's done? <laughs> That's you. You're in the movie. Yeah. Is and, you. And, 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 and I'm like, <laughs> and he keeps doing it. Is this how it's done? And then he's fired from this one gig and he's 100% unemployed. And I said, <laughs> so, and then when he was fired, he did a really bad Porky Pig. And I thought, Yes, <laughs> Williams, who was a genius at everything, does a lousy porky thing. So <laughs> I, that I, that I can live with. I'm going to angle up a little bit. There we go. Um, so um, afterwards, I was talking to my friends, and I said, "Okay, here are the differences. Number one, you don't make a career out of one job. Mm-hmm. Number two, you don't do it." in one take. I mean, you, you, number three, you don't do it to picture unless you're doing some sweetening for ADR. Number four, it's not done in San Francisco. Uh Yeah. Yeah. So, but the, but the the, the film itself was just wonderful character work, wonderful ensemble character work, all of them, not just Robin Williams, but all of them. Um, and it, it, I just found it charming. I mean, I, I don't know if you can see behind me, but I, I collect life maps. I see. Yeah, mm-hmm. I see it. I see yeah. some Nicholson. I, I think Robin I Williams saw there? Hitchcock. Yeah. All right. right so we got, that's that's um, that's uh, Anthony Hopkins. Oh. That's Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Nicholson. That's uh, Nicholson. That's uh, Vincent Price. Oh, oh nice. Mm. That's Bella Lugosi. Uh, but this is the, but this one right that's- there. Williams. That's Robin Williams. Yeah, it's yeah. Williams. Yeah. Oh. That was that was used in the movie Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, I was like, it looks like his face. <gasps> oh, when cool. That's the, that's the plaster. That's the plaster of Paris mask that they they take off and they and the, and his, the guy Harvey Firestein plays his brother. Yeah. crafts the uh, prosthetic makeup on that. Wow. Harvey Firestein in that film. Wait, me. so you're telling your friends the entire time how the industry isn't like that? So you're telling me on the yeah. record that you've never quit in a in a in a voice. <laughs> You never quit in a voice well, that you made up. Uh, well, I've never quit in a voice. I have quit. Yeah. But, uh, I, I've never, I've never quit doing a voice. Oh. Uh, I actually was fired and walked off of a Looney Tunes project. Oh. Oh wow. What? Oh, wow. Yeah. It was. Um, it was a long time ago, and uh, they'd hired a new producer director to take over the franchise and do a bunch of shorts, and he wanted me. So, so Mel Blanc's voices were sped up electronically, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't know. I didn't know but that. Bas- yeah, basically, Daffy and Sylvester are very close to the same voice, but Daffy's sped up. Mm. Yeah. So um, Mel-, Mel Blanc's Porky was sped up. Mine is not. And this producer-director uh, got the idea of slowing down Mel Blanc's old recordings, having me mimic Mel Blanc in real time, and then speeding me up. Oh, huh. 
And I said to him, it's a, in theory, that sounds great. But in reality, Mel Blanc's natural voice was much deeper than mine. He smoked. Mm-hmm. They used RCA ribbon microphones and they were recorded in actual sound stages. So you heard room noise yeah. in his performance. And when you speed me up, I'm going to sound like Alvin the Chipmunk with a stutter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. and, when he, and when they sped me up, I sounded like Alvin the Chipmunk with a stutter. Yep. And I'm not one who argues with a director. If they want me to do it in a way that I think is bad, I am their actor uh, for hire. I'm happy to do it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of felt a little bit of a responsibility towards the quality of this one character. I also was not pleased with the scripts. They were just a little bit too... I have no problem with edgy humor, but these were too edgy for mm. what I thought the Looney Tunes should be. And for about a month in recording sessions, I found myself arguing with this guy. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because Looney Tunes, like, at least for me, when I think back, like, they're before my time, right? So, like, they definitely started before me, but then, like, they've done what I think, like, other... Um, companies in terms of animation don't do with like, you know, they'll have like the, someone's in a shower, they'll have the like, someone's naked, someone, and I think you're talking about in Space Jam was like, um, Porky wets himself or, you know, and, oh, yeah. and it's like that kind of stuff where it's like, you know, you don't hear that kind of humor and it's a little bit of the, the crassier humor, but like. Well, you know, the, the, the Looney Tunes, first of all, Looney Tunes were never made for kids. Mm-hmm. They were made for adults, and they were put in front of adult films. Mm. Not adult films. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> no, but that's an idea. That's at least a $100 idea. that were made for the adult audience. Yes, there we go. <laughs> and, I mean, I can remember one where Elmer Fudd had a dog, and the dog had fleas. And the dog, the flea bites him, and the dog is running around just, like, rubbing his butt on the carpet. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then he stops and looks at the camera, and he goes, boy, I better stop this. I might get to like that. <laughs> Uh, well, it's kind of obvious what he was joking at. Back then, nobody thought these are going to be on a medium called TV because TV didn't exist. Nobody thought they would be on a DVD because DVDs didn't exist. And they're like, this will get a go over what he say, and they'll never see it again. Yeah, right. And then so, the internet uh, came around. So, so, nice. so, back to this, so back to this one cartoon, I went to my agent after just a very frustrating session. And I said to my agent, you know, um, I was told that this guy was going to be the torchbearer of this franchise and he was going to be taking these characters in this direction. And I said, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Is there any way I can get out of my contract? And he said, well, that's impossible. I said, really? He goes, yeah, they just fired you. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So now I'm pissed because I wanted to quit. It was my idea. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and, and I was told I will never do these characters again. Wow. Cut to these shorts were never released. They, they let this guy go, and the next thing I knew, a few months later, uh, I get a call from uh, my agent, Spike Brandt and Tony Cervoni are doing a show called Duck Dodgers, and they'd like me to play Eager Young Space Cadet, and I went, bitching, and that washed that bad taste out of my mouth fast because Duck Dodgers was just a well-written show. I want That's more of those kind of shows. I, I think yeah. more like the creative, what you do with these characters and putting them in other places is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But that show had nudity. There was I have this on my demo where Porky or Cadet is 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 is, is bare chested. And he says to he says to Cadet to, to, to Dodgers, hey, can I put my clothes back on? My nipples are getting cold. <laughs> <laughs> and I begged them to give him like 30 nipples just because and they said, like a close he said up. he's a boy. <laughs> did, did they have 30 pigs? I, I said, I don't know, but it would be funny. Be great. <laughs> Funny if it was there. Uh, so, so back to uh, Doubtfire, Ms. Doubtfire. Um, so you yes. you watched it in theaters. 
Um, and so it's charming. Uh, like what? What? Uh, like it's it's interesting. Have you have you watched it recently? Oh yeah, uh, within the last week, what? I just happened to be surfing and it landed on it. Sure. Uh, and we customarily go around the screen. So, what was everyone else's thoughts about it? We could share in the group of you know our our first times in recent history. I'll go. I mean, oh, go ahead, Josh. Um, I mean, it was such a joy to be like, you know, there are movies in life that you just you just like them, you love them, mm-hmm. and you. And what sucks is you kind of almost forget about them in the purview of all the entertainment that we have. And when you said Mrs. Doubtfire, I was like. I get to watch Mrs. Doubtfire again. And I watched it and, um, a couple of times, and I was like, this movie is just so wonderful from back to front. Like, it introduced the world to Mara Wilson, who became a, a childhood treasure, um, like yeah. Matilda and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And she's a fascinating person just in real life. But um, watching this, I was just like, it's such a, it's such a wonderful um message throughout the film as a as a child of of divorce as well of like kind of the final message of how family is and um it's such a joy of a movie and mm-hmm. it's like, i think it's i think also a lesson to divorced parents on how not to treat each other in front of the kids yeah yeah oh yeah, yeah. no i mean if you look at that that movie is is a bundle of mistakes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you know you don't fight in front of your kids don't let them think you're picking sides don't don't um, use them as weapons. Do not use them as weapons. Don't disrespect the other in front of them. Uh, these kids uh, should have been so messed up. And by the way, I would have seen through that that rubber makeup. I know. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh Suspension yeah. Suspension of disbelief, Bob. <laughs> yeah, but 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 it's okay. You want and and then that scene in the move in, in in the restaurant at the end. Oh yeah. Where he goes from 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 this table to this table and, and just and he plays drunk. So, so well, good. there's this scene where he's walking to his his uh, boss's table, and you know when you're drunk, you've got that very heavy footstep thing, yeah. and he's got that down mm-hmm. so well. But that's a subtle acting choice. That's not if you pleasure. It's obvious, but he just you know the best way to play. Uh, my acting teacher told me the best way to play drunk is to Pretend you're try not. to play try to play sober. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Try to play try, sober. Try, try not, to play sober. Know, know you're drunk, but try to play sober. Because yeah. we all try to be sober. We're just a little bit more aware of our of our of our uh, environment, and that. But and he did a, he did such a great job doing that, and yeah. and so much of that was ad libbed. So oh, much yeah. of everything he did was ad libbed. Just running into things that yeah. for, for me that was the best indicator of drunkenness was. He had his eyes on the place he needed to go, but like ran into that uh, the divider. And like when he's coming through the kitchen, gets the idea yeah. to put on the thing. He like smacks into the door and then notices the coats and is like, "Ah!" I didn't even realize like I hadn't seen the movie in so long, probably since I was younger. I didn't even realize uh-huh. that he was drunk when I was younger. And then when no, I was yeah, watching not- it as an adult, I was like, "It's a silly oh. like, scene." Kind of. Oh, yeah. the moment I heard "bully," I'm like, "There's drinking involved." <laughs> well, and then and then years ago, I was invited to do some film festival in in Danville, in Northern California, oh. and that restaurant Bridges is in Danville. I'm like, I got this restaurant. Oh and they my shot gosh. the interior there, and you know that was too cool. That's that awesome. was, oh my god! Now I have to go. <laughs> Danville. Yeah. Yeah. I'm originally from San Francisco, so we drove it's by that open house. COVID. Drove well, by that house growing down. Up. Yeah. Oh yeah. For uh, me. I uh, yeah. I was showed this from uh, by my dad. I am a product of divorce. 
Shout out. So it was uh, extremely poignant to me. I didn't see it right when it came out, but two or three years afterwards, my dad showed it to me. Uh, huge fan of Robin Williams growing up. Like I mentioned, I'm from the Bay Area, so he was around where we were all the time doing events and, and speaking. Um, but the two, two moments that truly stand out to me, anytime someone mentions Mrs. Doubtfire, the two scenes that just kind of pop into my head is the drive-by fruiting. Yes. Um, <laughs> knowing that he really threw that lime at Pierce Brosnan and nailed him in the back of the head uh, kills me every time. It's literally the one that I rewound. I probably wore our first tape out on that right. scene alone. Um, and then the, uh, I know this is an odd one, but his impression of a hot dog is... <laughs> oh, that was bro. That entire bit. And, 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 and one of the DVDs has extras with all the stuff that was cut. Oh, oh my they God. Cut out, they cut out 50% of his impression sure. with that, with oh, that scene. Sure. They probably just yeah. Yeah. And, and you can yeah. see when he does the hot dog and then he's got that little grin on his face like, I know you're not going to keep that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was so stupid, but it was so good. And like, um, it's just, uh, like I mentioned before, Harvey Firestein, I'm a huge oh. fan of his. So the fact that, that he's in here just playing like this amazing brother character Supportive. to him and they get to sing Sing yeah. with Barbara Streisand with Matchmaker, Matchmaker. Like it's, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's from start with, to finish. With this the film. most amazing apartment. Yes, ever. Yeah. Everywhere yeah. I was like, that's like dream house, dream apartment. All of them like, wow. Even though it was have, messy, I, I was like, actually, it's not. I have driven. I have driven by the house. <gasps> yeah. Oh. It's it's and really so there in San Francisco. It is, and if you'll remember. When he call he calls uh, Sally Field several times as creepy people mm-hmm. until he calls his Mrs. Doubtfire and she gives the address on Steiner Street and I'm like, I wonder if that really is on Steiner Street and God damn it it is. Oh my God, it is Steiner. On Steiner Street. Yeah, there's a in San Francisco there's an unspoken rule that you don't just hang out about there. There's no one really like you got to be respectful of the people who live there. But every time everyone drives by, they go, "That's the house from Mrs. Doubtfire." Did you know? <laughs> I wish it's, they did that with Breaking Bad. It's and the Brady Bunch. Yeah, the the Brady until they redid it. You know, everybody knew it was the Brady Bunch house, but you don't knock on the door and say, "Hi, Brady's. How are you? Can you let me inside?" Uh, My last little tidbit here that I didn't know until recently was that the uh, the scene where he you know buries his face in the cake and is uh, for the social worker uh, was actually improvised because the lights melted the icing. They hadn't planned for any of that <gasps> whatsoever. And so him melting. Uh, and so Robin Williams so just kind of ran with it. Oh, look, it's a little cappuccino. Yeah, it was supposed to just be icing on the face, but the lights from the set started <gasps> melting it. And so they, they just kind of, you know, rolled with it. I wonder if uh, Anne Haney and was made that scene, uh, elevates that scene it. <laughs> the, other, the other thing to look for is when he's over the stove and his breasts catch fire. Uh-huh. <laughs> And it's so obvious it's a stunt double because oh, yeah. she's half, he or she is half the size of his costume. Yeah. But it is, it's his voice being dubbed screaming. Yeah. Right. You can it's hear brilliant. like the room tone of when it was recorded. The film is just such a warm blanket for me. Like it's such a, one of those things. It's like, let's watch Mr. Doubtfire tonight. Yeah, let's do it. I was going to say, uh, this is one of those movies that I actually never saw all the way through. Somehow, oh wow! Until oh. getting ready for this episode. And wow, you're yeah, welcome. Like I've seen chunks of it, but this you're an anomaly, my friend. I am. Bob Bergen, you <laughs> have changed uh, life. It's going to Broadway. If whenever they get Broadway back, it's going to be a Broadway yeah. musical. Yeah. Whoa! One thing That'll I really cool. liked about it was that um, a lot of the setups and things, like of course, we're kind of jaded now, looking backward. And back then, this was all probably like like the whole Flintstones dinner 
kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh-huh. going into that scene, I was like, okay, here we go. This isn't going to work in this setting. This that's not. I can't believe this. But it was just such a joy, and it was so funny, and it, it was just like I don't even care. This is just magic and just hilarious. And and it and, was and, kind know, of that, the that, other characters that, really. You but know. then then you get too logical. They're like, okay, right. so he's a lousy cook. So he orders a billion dollars worth of food. Uh-huh. What does he do? What does he do? Does the he do next that every night? night? I was like, is he yeah. do that every night? And, and how did he clean up that kitchen? In the prosthetics. Off, fish- on, off, she, on. Yeah, but you, 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 you've got yeah. to take reality away. It's just a movie. Well, yeah, well, yeah also, but it was, uh, I love how learning. genuine the, like, uh, the sort of divorce setup was, you know, like that could have been, that could have been really quick in, in any other movie, right? But oh, this yeah. was like, it was like, it made sense and it was, it felt kind of realistic as far as like, the challenges of their relationship. And it was interesting yeah. to see that actually like play out through the movie. So that was, I, I really dug that part about it. Yeah. Kaylin. Um, man, I, I loved Mrs. Doubtfire before when I watched it as a kid and it had been, you know, at least 10 years since I've seen it at this point, but watching it kind, kind of in a new light of knowing that this was a movie that you liked, Bob, it gave me a different lens which I appreciated even more because not only was was I watching this as an adult going like, oh, this had like kind of that Looney Tunes feel of like there was stuff I just didn't catch because it all zipped over my head and I was like, ooh, fun movie. But also like the the way that Robin Williams as Mrs. Doubtfire, that's like the best example of how to develop and stay in a character because you're literally like living in it all the way. And it's only by accident of developing that character did it come back to be useful for him gag. later. Yeah. Um, that he yeah. ended up getting the show based on all of this life that happened in the background yeah. leading up to this point. And he, you know. Oh, like in the end when he gets the, the kids show, you mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that was like kind of a mistake of like just being these this character. Yeah, no. So for for me with uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, I, you know, being a little younger, I think I only saw commercials of it or trailers of it in the VHS as I was watching, particularly, mm. I think, like, maybe The Mask mm. and then, like, seeing, like, coming to theaters, Mrs. Doubtfire or something like that. Right. Um, and then I was like, what does that mean? Uh, but then later on, actually watching, I think the first time I ever watched it was actually on FX because mm. I grew up yeah. somehow just watching a bunch of syndicated stuff on FX and... um that was one of the first films that I had the VHS and then I learned how to record the TV. And then I'm oh, like, I'm going to have this movie because I thought it was a wonderful movie. And I don't the think original they, pirate. Yeah. Which I was like, <laughs> how is that not illegal? But I don't know. Because you record you recorded uh, yeah. stuff all the time. That was like a thing. You recorded the nightly news. So, um, but anyway, so I did that. And then, so watching again for this time, like it's funny to see like in 2020 eyes looking back and, you know, watching this film and, seeing uh the climate of the world like it's so like that 90s feel i felt like i had like reinstall windows 98 on my computer <laughs> I, was, I need to get back to that level um but no i mean it's it's one of i and i also being a kid Soundtrack. who had parents who divorced like it was something that i felt like you know my parents should have watched this movie because <laughs> <laughs> it was like what you were saying like there's so many of the missteps that the parents take but also uh like Getting to see, like, knowing my family's history, like, who left who, why did it didn't work, arguing. And then the very end where there's a very, you know, heartfelt moment that Sally Field is watching the TV and saying, like, you know, hearing Mrs. Doubtfire say, like, sometimes parents need to be away in order for them to be better parents for you. Um, and it's, it's I, I, like, that was, I think, a moment when I was watching as a kid. I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, I mean, 
everything in there is just like phenomenal. Like, but to your point of like, how does he, what does he do for the next day? It's like, well, he does learn. That's like his, you know, they have the nineties montage with the, you know, he do look like a lady. Um, and you know, the other, he's playing, but also I was like, who does that with the broom? Also, no one does that with the broom. <laughs> I mean, I have. Y'all yeah, do no the, the teeth play too? The teeth right. play? Yeah. Behind the back. I mean, no, I, I do the air guitar and the behind the back, but I was like, the teeth play? I don't know. In fact, I was doing it the other thing. day, and we watched this movie, and Bonnie goes, you were just doing that. <laughs> and so I was like. I probably did it because of this, though, to be oh, yeah. fair. Yeah. Um, Maybe the inspiration. But yeah, and also seeing like a young Matthew Lawrence in here mm-hmm. was like oh, it's yeah. interesting. Um, but yeah, like and Pierce Brosnan. So, you really need her in this movie. I mean, like as as wonderful as Robin Williams is uh, at, at carrying a lot of this, it would mean nothing without the emotional weight that I think Sally Fields is is just phenomenal at bringing in. And I I personally am guilty of not not giving her enough credit in this film because she's just well the scene the scene when 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 he reveals himself in the restaurant, her multiple takes, you know, and you can see just the wheels spinning yeah. in her character's head in her monologue, you know. Oh my gosh, she's she's just such a great actress. The whole time, the whole time. I was, yeah. like, I was like, that's it. Like that realization of like, oh my, oh my god. Like, so yeah. the yeah. levels yeah. of the vocal yeah. tone yeah. of like, oh my god, oh my god. Right. So, so one of my all-time favorite characters in the entire movie is the horny bus driver. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, oh, he man. first of all has. Ex- extremely interesting tastes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, he likes the hairy legs. Not healthy. Yeah. The way the God made you. He likes them a little zoftic and he doesn't mind latex. You know, he just yeah. had, he was I, a lonely man. It was a sweet character and he man just forward pleasure. to picking her up. I feel yeah. like, and honestly, he was kind of like, uh, you know, a little bit of like a role model for, for men because it's kind of like you love people for who they are and like first things like, I hope you have something warm to come home to. You know, just like very yeah. nice and caring and like, you know, doesn't go any further than that, you know? Just says a simple thing. Just tips right up to the line of like, this it's, is borderline creepy guy. No, because well, you know what it is? It's a juxtaposition to the bus driver in Hocus Pocus who is a creepy guy. Yeah. Um, yes. And does, you know, the witches say, you know, we seek children. And he was like, I could trick me, take me a couple times, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's a nice, it's a nicer way of going about yes. that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there is sure. some sort of heart to it. And, and to every character in this. He's yeah. he's very genuine. Like he's he's not trying to be gross. I want right. to. I do want to bring up a point that Ali had while we were having a tech flub. Like the subversion of Pierce Brosnan's character actually kind of being a good yeah. dude. Oh, he's like, a great dude. When like you're like bar, you expect I was like, him to be here we evil. go. Here's the dirt. This is where this is where this is the turning point. This is where he gets his ammo, right? It, but yeah. no. And so for but me, his whole point is that he can't believe that the father a, would. You know, he's super a super nice family. guy. Yeah. yeah, looks like he's going to take care of them just fine and. But by the time I watched Mrs. Doubtfire, he had already been James Bond. So mm-hmm. I was like, what's he doing in San Francisco being like this <laughs> loser? <laughs> I, I know like, him as a womanizer. I don't like what I'm seeing. And I was like, but but then now you think back and I was like, you know, Pierce Brosnan is like this hot, sexy dude with an accent who was like, you know, it's just Rob Williams, who's kind of like a little bit of the, the everyman, you know, who's like oh, yeah. can't cook, can't clean, you know, all that stuff. He has to work his way to become a better person in order to be with his yeah. kids. Um, it's like pure competition and it's like this yeah. wonderful like he's just like a client that just wanted a room designed and then like fell in love with his designer and then like had three wonderful children and happily ever after like that story is also like just as sweet and okay mm-hmm. <laughs> also with the exception of Robin Williams everybody had a lot of money yes <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> yes isn't that reflective of San Francisco of today 
It's just, I mean, that, that, that incredible country club, you know, and where you just go up and you just, um, you sign your membership number and then you walk away. Uh-huh. Or well, a I, convenient prosthetic, I, I, uh, artist as a brother. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about the cost you got all these like movie faces <laughs> everywhere and just like happens to have all the plaster and materials. Oh, yeah. and this one's my drawer. Here's the teeth. Don't fit. Yeah, <laughs> that, you, I mean, I do admit though that montage of different faces is is brilliant. It's like, yeah. oh, let's give uh, let's give Robin Williams just a chance to just flex for a little bit. <laughs> just check out check out the extras on the DVD and all those scenes. They, they I cost. have it. I'm definitely going to do that. I haven't checked those there, out yet. There's there's something on I think YouTube has a compilation of like 20 minutes that were that was cut from the film oh, that was man. produced with soundtrack and everything. Right. That oh, they wow. did. But I always thought that somebody should have. Uh, a network or a YouTube channel called the cutting room floor where they just find all the clips that were cut and put and just show them. And, and oftentimes because we're such fans of the, uh, of the, uh, the product, we welcome the new stuff because it's new stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're going to deep dive in that world a little bit more. It's yeah, kind of like exactly. what Werner Herzog said. It's like you're you're treasure hunting. You're looking for these exactly. like little gems that you're like, oh, these were lost in time. And now someone reclaimed them and, YouTube is the museum, you know, like totally, mm-hmm. you know, totally. I mean, going back to cartoons, they used to back in the in, in World War II, they used to wash the cells and reuse them. Yeah. So they so Wild. they don't exist anymore. But then they would also they never thought they were considered art yeah. or they would be valuable. So they would throw them on the floor and play slip and slide. Wow. Oh, my gosh. History. I know. Ah. Um. You know, it's funny, uh, you know, reading, li- listening about your interviews of, like, how you went to go uh, meet Mel Blank and, you know, crashed, like, his recording session. Like, watching Mrs. Doubtfire, then knowing about that story, like, when it's like, I would love to work in this place where, like, out of nowhere, the the head of the studio is just hanging out and you could just talk to him. He's not in a video village or surrounded by a bunch of clients and has you know, is not willing to talk to you. And then also when you're cleaning up the place and you do your own riff of a show, he's just the only person there to watch. <laughs> and I was like, this is a lovely imagination of what Hollywood is. Cause I was like, yeah, I don't it know. How- is, it's, it's, it's a bit of a fantasy of how uh, bureaucracy actually does work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but on the other hand, you got to give the guy that played the boss a little bit of credit because he really didn't care about the, the station and the quality of the of the of the programming, yeah. uh, you didn't you, didn't, you wouldn't think it would ha- it would take uh, uh, this employee whose job was to you know schlep stuff, films and things back and forth from the loading dock to come up with the idea. But on the other hand, the fact that he was so open to this pitch that by the way that's that's pretty close to Hollywood. You know, pitch meetings over dinner and lots of cocktails happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's PBS that was supposed to be yeah. basically their PBS station and then the mrs doubtfire show in the end you find out it's syndicated and it's becoming a big thing so it's really just a very very sweet ending to that too yeah, yeah i did think that was also pretty funny since it was like also in this world of hollywood you like the ratings are so up like after the first day of recording <laughs> it's like did they not edit this well it's also like it's the whole thing of, like cut like <laughs> right then is where the studio head is like we're doing great money's great you know, it's, it's very picturesque <laughs> like, it's i did like the, the subtle the yeah it was a small Something detail but they were um they were talking about how boring the original show was, but they didn't fire mm-hmm. him. They made him the mailman oh, of this new show. Yeah. It's, it's like what Bob was saying, like, don't take a job away from him, which was like I think yeah. really and also, nice. Also, by the way, he had he had no shame. He didn't mind doing it either. Yeah. yeah. 
And he was having still has a job. <laughs> I also here. love that. Let's be honest. When you're working in children's programming in San Francisco, if you lose a job, you're completely unemployed. Yep. So we right. learned that's that right. at the beginning As of the we've film. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's that guy's lucky. <laughs> I, I think one right. one choice for for that uh, guy who became the mailman is that he would always say things incorrectly. Like if with everything he did, he would say it wrong or weird or elongated. And then when he came back as the mailman, he had like one line, but he still like did the pronunciation incorrectly. And I was like, oh, oh, huh. There's just lots of little moments to appreciate. There you go. When you come up with a character, you come, I mean, like Mrs. Doubtfire, the character itself, if I remember correctly, came from an Andy Kaufman show he did uh, where, where Robin Williams played Andy Kaufman's grandmother. Wow. And that oh. character, right. yeah, it was like, it was a show, at, I believe at Carnegie Hall. It's on the IMDb trivia, I believe. Uh, it was an Andy Kaufman show and he played uh, his grandma and that character just kind of sat dormant for 20 years and then Mrs. Doubtfire came along and there you go. And, and and you know, there's this scene where Pierce Brosnan says, what part of England are you from? Your nice. accent sounds kind of muddy. Well, so is your tan. <laughs> I always thought he was being Scottish. Yeah, that's oh. what it sounds like. Well, yeah. Scottish, yeah. To me, that, to my ears, it sounds more Scottish than, 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 than British, but he kept playing, you know, oh yeah, my husband was killed by a Guinness truck, truck. and uh, every, every, everything was being, yeah, it, was, it was the drink that literally killed him. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I always thought it was Scottish, too. I didn't even think about that. Uh, I mean, also before we wrap things up, uh, we do also make sure we go around the digital screens, the gallery view. Um, Bob, if you can have your favorite character, favorite two characters of of Mrs. Doubtfire, who would they Including be? Including Mrs. Doubtfire herself? Yeah, we can do two, oh. two characters. Two characters. Oh, favorite two characters would probably be oh, only, only two. Only two. Um, See, that's what makes it hard, baby. That's his tough part. It does. All right, I'm gonna go obscure. Yeah. I I I, I it's and it's not the obvious. I, I said one earlier, the bus driver. Mm-hmm. I like yep. um nice. and I love the maitre d' at the restaurant who right away. who who kisses everybody's ass when they come to to the to the host oh, yeah. stand, but he's an asshole to his employees. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Facts. Yeah. Reality. Very real. Yeah. I was gonna say, <laughs> unfortunately, that part is very real. <laughs> Not a fantasy. I know. Uh who's next? Corey, go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh I'll exclude uh Mrs. Doubtfire just because titular character and all and Robin Williams has a, a soft spot in my heart. Uh, secondly, two characters. Yeah. Uh I would say uh, the brother Harvey Firestein. Uh, I think everything that Harvey Firestein does is is complete gold. Uh, it, from movie to stage, I think he's just a wonderful, wonderful yeah. actor. Um, and then as a second character, I'm gonna. I mean, like, because I mentioned it before, I got to shout out Sally Fields in this. I think that mm-hmm. without her balance, you don't have a film. Heavy mm-hmm. agree. Uh, Caitlin. Oh, okay. Me. Uh, yeah, Tom. Uh, for me, Har- uh, Harvey Firestein. Um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, the daughter. Um, which one? Lydia? Uh, oh, yeah, uh, the older daughter. Um, in a weird way, like, I felt like my, my childhood was a little telegraphed because I was around that age of, like, I was, like, around the Matilda age of, like, I don't know what's happening. But then my parents were playing part, and then my older sister was just like, I hate everything. And mm-hmm. it was just, like, really, you know, like, she's kind of the one that kind of, like, um, re like like uh, re uh, like just reminds the audience of why Danny's doing this, 
uh, or Daniel's doing this. And like that moment when she comes out and they have that first fight, it's like, you wouldn't punish us. And then she, they have to clean and then do the homework. And then after the dinner's made, she comes out and then uh, Daniel, aka Miss Doubtfire, is like, get inside before you know you get a cold. It's this moment of like turn point of like, she can, you know, hopefully develop as a child, you know, oh, to a young woman. And Daniel is seeing this like happen before his eyes. And it's like, Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's something about that and also like she was also I feel like she was in like, a lot of these 90s films for me like in oh, Independence yeah. Day and I was just like she had like she was going to be everywhere uh, for some reason but then I was like so she has like this really big like I really like this character like it's it's like a love hate and then you later on just like learn to kind of just like be sympathetic for the children mm-hmm. as an adult I guess yeah Caitlin um, for me I'm I, I'm on the same train with Lydia um, the the older daughter um, just because that is such a, she is kind of like your your the vessel for you to understand the full complexity of like how you deal with this as like a, a preteen going through this experience of like I want to support both of you and there's complicated emotions and sometimes it may angry about it but I'm still supportive but I still love you but ah so like all of that kind of complication is is very accurately portrayed through her and then my I think my favorite of all is Daniel. Not not Mrs. Doubtfire, Daniel, mm-hmm. who is like the especially the speech in the courtroom where um pleading insanity and saying, Ever yeah. since I saw my kids, I'm crazy for them. So that gives you like the like you already know this is a very fantastical thing, but that actually grounded the decision to become Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Of of like, you know what? Yeah, I I, I do all these voices, I, I play all these characters. This was the only thing I could think of to like get close to my kids, and yeah, I'm a, that's an insane thing to do because I'm crazy for them. Like it just made it make sense. Mm-hmm. So and and like seeing his development outside of that of like you know Chinese food boxes everywhere and a dingy apartment, and then like growing through being Mrs. Doubtfire changed him as a person to make him a better person. Um, yeah, who's like a, a a solid figure on his own without his wife. Yeah, like that. That was a really cool. It's like he like, had to grow up to, in the situation yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. But he kept, but he kept the essence of that childishness, childishness in him that like turned into this opportunity for him. Yeah. So and then you know, by the way, everybody grew because yeah. Miranda allowed him to then see the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because he he proven himself. He'd grown. She grew because she realized she was being a bitch. And yeah. she was taking taking all of her frustrations out on him, and it was affecting the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I I think be probably because he's the most kind of downtrodden in this kind of scenario, mm-hmm. and and getting him to kind of find his path, and and like take care of himself and his life and kind of the people around him by proxy. That was really cool. I liked that specific through line. Right. Yeah, Ali. Uh, mine uh, starts with Harvey Feinstein uh, Feinstein's because he's just he's a joy to watch and everything just like you said. Um, I wanted him, I wanted more of him in this movie. Yeah, I, I wonder yeah. if I wonder if there's some cut stuff. There probably is because he said it was most of those uh, those dress room scenes, right? That were cut. So maybe there's yeah. more time to watch. But aside from that, it was just Daniel. Yeah, um, Robin Williams. Maybe a sequel great. only about the brother and how to make <laughs> yeah, different. Plastered and prosthetic faces. He makes he that a business where. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's just about his business side. It's all about the yeah. business. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he has right. to impersonate Robin Williams in this one. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, 
My favorite are the parents, Daniel and Miranda. Like I just, uh, I know that they both have their instances where you're like, that wasn't cool. But they, the way that they grow as parents from the beginning to the end. And I especially love the scene where they're, she comes to visit him and she says, uh, Miranda says, you know, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore of like who did what to who and who said this Mm. and blah, blah, blah. I just want to move forward. And I love that she, she realizes, and I love that Daniel grows up like he's, he is kind of immature at the beginning. And then he kind of learns what life needs, what you need. You can still be silly and fun, but there's also a quote, serious side that you know you still got to do the dishes you still got to do the laundry you got to chuck the ramon to the fish tank yeah right um, there so you go. <laughs> um yeah i like i like the parents and how they grow throughout the movie um and just become cool people cool yeah. people Copacetic. um bob thank you so much for joining us this has been you such an guys. honor um, is there anything that you would like our audience to check out, like social media, any projects that are currently out that you would like people to go see? Maybe another match that I can game talk episode? about. Yes, yeah, you can that, talk uh, about. Aren't NDA clad? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I know everything's NDA. I've got. I will tell you guys, I got some stuff that I'm doing right now that the fans are going to go, no way. Ah! So I, got, I got some good shit. Mm. Um, <laughs> social media: Instagram Bergen Bob. Uh, Twitter uh, at Bob Bergen. I, you know what the nice thing about today is that everybody everybody's reachable. You can always we and the voiceover communities are really nice ones. So it's very rare that someone's going to go. I'm not going to talk to them. So <laughs> yeah, reach out. Um, I'm 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 putting Looney Tunes cartoons, uh, HBO Max. I uh, can't talk about that. I can't talk about that. I have a game that just came out, but I don't remember what it is. Oh, no. <laughs> right? In stores um, now. Another robot chicken. I don't know when it comes out. Uh, so I'm busy. I'm busy. That's great. That's awesome. Right on. But we're always in fear of saying what we shouldn't. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so follow along. So so when he, when he can talk about it, he will. And you'll hear yeah. it. And you'll be there and first. And you'll know about it because it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's some pretty, I mean, I was, I'm, I'm working on this one project that they kind of teased about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Oh. And so I said to my executive producer, so can we talk about this? They're like, no, not <laughs> at all. Not at all. I was like, okay. All right. Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll bring you on when you Fine. can talk about it. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Thank you again. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I can't. It's so good. So it's cool. So good. Oh, all right. <laughs> so good. fun. It was so fun. It was so LA fun. gets smaller and smaller. We know more and more people. Right? Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, everybody at home, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this this interview. Uh, I know watching. that I did. So yeah, well, you yeah, should watch exactly. it. You should see all the faces on, on Bob Bergen's wall. Yes. Oh my that one day, yeah. your face will be there. I was yeah. kind of thinking Game of Thrones for it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Corey doesn't have no faces there. For those of you who are watching, you'll have no idea what that sound was. Don't, oh. don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Okay. All There's right. So many strippers. Uh, so much yeah, blood. I was getting some Game of Thrones vibes <sighs> at first. And then when he explained, I was like, oh, oh, oh. Now you just spoiled it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, everybody uh, do check out uh, the, we do video versions of all these episodes. So if you would like to know the shenanigans that goes on on camera, please do check it out. It's nerdon.tv backslash YouTube. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. If you are new to Nerd On, welcome. Beyond Venue. Hi. 
right. Um, check out our website, nerdon.tv. It has all of the information of all of the links of all of the things that we create and all do. All the things. All of the things. Uh, it recently went through a, a facelift to make everything a little bit more easy to find. Um, more easier. More easier. Uh, do stop by, rate, and review us wherever you listen. Um, it does help us not only to grow in terms of getting that feedback, whether it's positive uh, or negative. That's okay, too. Uh, it just feels nice to get those reviews and to check them out. And we share them with each other. We share them it's on like, social media and we shout out people. Yeah. It, um, if you like us, like if, comment and rate. If you hate us, comment and rate. But also hit the <laughs> like button. And then give well, us five also, stars for no we reason. We get those reviews. I was gonna like, say, if you hate us, maybe don't rate us. It's like <laughs> do it anyway. If you were to like take a nap on the couch and someone walked up and was and like, farted in your face. I baked you a whole tray of warm cookies. Here's a glass of milk. Please enjoy this delicious treat. And we're just like, oh, thank you. That's what that's what a um, that's what a positive review is. That's what getting is getting like. a review feels like. Just <laughs> before, a review. Getting feedback. The very it's just end, delightful. Um, I want to remind everybody that we have our third anniversary coming up uh, Ooh, pretty yes, soon here. Uh, next month, we're going to be uh, celebrating uh, a trilogy like we always do. Uh, first year, we did Lord of the Rings. Second year, we did the uh, Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. And uh, this year, we're going to be doing Back to the Future. Yeah. So, we have a lot of cool stuff planned this month, including uh, a watch party. So if you want to learn more about that, uh, hit us up on the socials, hit us up on Discord. Um, it's going to be a fun time. Uh, Capeless is getting in on the celebration, so that's going to be fun. Uh, but yeah, third anniversary. Third Taking off the fourth year of Nerd on Content for you. It's uh, pretty exciting. Um, yeah, but just pay attention to all of our social media. We'll have information about what kind of a, like events that we're, we're doing we'll online. We'll have infographics even. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Graphics. Um, but yeah, that has been the episode. We appreciate you all for listening. Uh, hope uh, life is well. Hope you're staying safe and healthy and all that jazz. Take care of each other. Stay strong. Yes. Stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take Actually, uh, get electrolytes too, because that's also a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I love Corey's face, but uh, we're going to end here. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. You know the drill. As always, you're done. Broadcast.